0: The one thing that I've learned that I wish I knew earlier on in my career is uh, give yourself the permission to change your mind.
1: Welcome to A Slice of SaaS, your source for insights on SaaS revenue operations. Today, we're joined by Matthew Valm, who is the co-founder of the RevOps Co-op. And in our conversation, we'll unpack how RevOps is stretching its wings beyond sales and marketing, the trend towards tech stack consolidation, and the vibrant journey of a RevOps professional. So let's get started. So Matthew, if you built a, I guess you can say a pretty big RevOps uh, community uh, over the past few years, I would be really curious to learn more about like, why, why did you decide to, to start a revenue operations community in the first place? And what was kind of the things that you were hoping to solve for for the RevOps community with, the, with a community, I guess you can say?
0: Well, we, we started the community a little over three years ago. And originally, we started it as part of our own go to market efforts for a RevOps software product that we were building called Funnel IQ. Uh, and Funnel IQ was, you know, I think an end to end go to market analytics tool. And so we were uh, in the early stages of building that uh, that software product and decided to build a community. That would be separately branded, um, but kind of affiliated with uh, with Funnel IQ because we wanted to deliver some value to people in RevOps outside of our product. We also wanted to start to build relationships with people in revenue operations and just have uh, a way to uh, kind of keep tabs on the problems and the things that they were experiencing, and kind of keep a, a pulse on on things. And we also wanted to be the thought leader in in the space so that when anyone thought about about RevOps, they thought about us. And so that was the reason why we initially started the community. Uh and then, you know, fast forward to today and we've, you know, been through a lot of different iterations of funnel IQ, eventually decided to sunset that product and are now just focused entirely on the community itself as our our core business.
1: Yeah, it's quite a journey. And like so So yeah, growing it to 11,000, did that come like, uh, all of a sudden, or was it kind of a very steady growth that you had there? Yeah,
0: it's been, I'll say, you know, if you look at the kind of the, the weekly, I guess, growth numbers that we have, it's been been pretty, (laughs) um, pretty steady, I guess, since the very beginning. Um, I know it was one of those things early on where, you know, going from, um, Kind of zero to 100, 100 to 200. I remember some of the initial goals that we set, the OKRs that we set for membership targets. uh, You know, we were setting kind of our our targets for over the course of a quarter. And you know, I think at um, at first I was like, all right, I just want to get 250 people into the into the community. And you know, I was like, you know, we should be able to do that over the course of 90 days. And I think it took like a week to get. Um, 250 people in and so then I updated it again I was like okay well let's try to get like uh, you know 500 right and then we hit that and then it was like all right well let's try to get hit a thousand so um, so yeah definitely had some you know acceleration uh, especially in the early days since uh, you know smaller uh, starting point but um, has been pretty uh, pretty steady ever since and yeah a lot of uh, you know a lot of our members refer other people on their team or other people in their network and then naturally, you know, the RevOps role and function is just continuing to grow and take off. More and more companies are adopting it and it's also expanding, you know, outside of the U.S., which is another, uh, you know, another big kind of catalyst for growth.
1: And and why do you think it went so fast in the beginning? Was it just um, like a big need in the market or like, why do you think it just happened? Or do you have some secret trick that you did to just get a lot of people interested really fast?
0: No, I wish I could say I was that smart and uh, you know, that I had some like, you know, really like brilliant uh call it tactic. Uh but I think it was like a lot of things, it was right place, right time. We existed and um, you know, we kind of decided to invest time and effort there and it was again the right time to do it. I think the reason why it worked is it was about <laughs> like I said, roughly three uh three years ago we started the community about three and a half years ago is when we originally started the, the company and the, um, the, the, with the product that we were building. And I remember at the time, uh, you know, going out and talking to, um, uh, some VCs and stuff that I knew, I was like, Hey, you know, have you heard, have you heard about this, uh, like this whole RevOps uh, revenue operations thing going on? Um, you know, it's kind of like starting to take off in different companies. Um, and a lot of them were like, no, you know, not, not really. Uh, but, when I you know, did some more, did some more research, I saw that you know one, it was one of the fastest growing job titles out there. And two, a lot of the you know, the more innovative, progressive uh, kind of software companies were adopting uh, kind of a revOps model. They had people with revenue operations in their job titles that worked for them on LinkedIn. I remember coming across companies like DocuSign and and Outreach and Service Titan and some of these other, you know, kind of unicorn SaaS companies. And was like, okay, well, you know, standard, you know, like kind of wave is like, well, if, if this is going to be a thing, (laughs) you know, these uh, you know, it's, it's, it's common, just like OKRs and some other stuff, right. That like, you know, the, the SaaS companies, the software companies, especially based in the United States will be the first ones to adopt something like this. And then it'll kind of, Take off, um, and so that was the you know I'll say like the bet um, kind of that we placed, and um, I think that's ultimately what what happened. And the other reason why uh, it worked, you were asking about like why community kind of worked for for rev ops is um, I think like two main reasons. One is uh, no one gets a degree in revenue operations, right? It's not like you go to college for you know for finance or or accounting, um, or marketing, right? And you kind of, you know, you get trained on that and then you, you land there. Uh, RevOps, like you don't go to college for RevOps, right? So a lot of the learning is done on the job. And then with it being a new function, a lot of, um, you know, a lot of people were kind of new to the role and there's not necessarily a, a playbook out there of how to do RevOps or even what it really means. And so, you know, a lot of these people then were new to new to the role. Um, you know, had on the job training from the past, and were working either by themselves or on a small team. And that's like kind of a perfect recipe for community because, you know, if you can just get all those people together to share ideas, ask questions, get answers, provide resources, uh, like that's 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 the that's when the power of community can can really happen. So I think those are the reasons why we kind of lucked out and kind of had some initial success.
1: And have it been difficult to kind of, because like getting good conversations going and building engagement and like all that kind of stuff can, can of course be quite challenging to do uh, and get people to participate and not just being kind of a, like most people on LinkedIn, they're just looking, they're not me, myself included a lot, uh, just kind of shadows following along, like is there some kind of things you've done there that you've seen that like to build that kind of engagement and make people want to share and participate?
0: Yeah. So in the early days, it was definitely uh, definitely takes time to uh, an energy to drive uh, to drive engagement. Right. The most important thing with that is you want people to feel comfortable po- posting questions in your Slack group, for example, providing you with feedback, and then you also want people to uh, feel comfortable answering questions as well and so you know initially a lot of the uh you know a lot of the things that (laughs) we were doing was um kind of posting our own questions making sure that we were jumping in to respond to uh to provide answers to questions that people would post uh we also uh you know kind of had some tailored uh member onboarding so when new members would join the community we, had, uh, um, we would encourage them to go to our introductions channel and introduce themselves, right? So, you know, very easy kind of lift uh, to like go in and post something. And then we'd always try to make sure that any, any questions that did get posted in the community uh, would always get responded to because those are good ways to make sure that people feel, uh, feel comfortable uh, kind of asking those things. But then at a certain point, uh, and I don't think there's a, a set definition. It's not like this hand happens at like a hundred members, 200 members, 500, a thousand members at, at a certain point, you reach, uh, um, a tipping point where you're no longer uh, focused on driving engagement because you now have a bunch of people there who are interacting and engaging with each other. And your focus then shifts from, uh, how to drive engagement to moderating the engagement that's there and making sure that again, people are abiding by the rules and the community guidelines like conversations um that are happening are appropriate ones right people aren't trying to like spam or solicit people things like that within the community and like i said that you know that happens once you reach a a a tipping point it's not necessarily based on how many members you have it's just based on how engaged the the group is that's that's there
1: yeah, like, I guess, yeah, it gets uh, chaotic quite fast, I guess as well, like kind of managing quality and the more threads and more small questions it I guess it can sure. become very messy, very fast. Do you think like with that, because I mean, one thing that I, I do think a lot of kind of companies also struggle with is kind of internal learning and making people actually, you know, you have an internal wiki like no one really uses it and knowledge sharing is not, great all the time so people are usually kind of doing their own thing and you have you have a playbook and then you you, know, you have a person who know how it's actually done so there's a lot of that going on do you think there's anything that companies can kind of learn from like kind of community building and that kind of mindset uh, on a kind of a small scale or what are your thoughts around that
0: yeah i mean i think um yeah like for us i guess our you know our definition of community too is um and basically, like for us, it's you know a bunch of people who have a shared passion for revenue operations. And so, you know, for us, that doesn't mean like our community is not just the people that are in our, our Slack group, but it's the uh, the members that we have, a group of people that share that passion for RevOps. And then we offer a lot of different programs to deliver value uh, to them, right? One of those is Slack group. We've got a newsletter, digital events, in-person events, courses uh, that... Um, People can uh, uh, can can take a knowledge hub, career growth hub, right? Like lots of different things. But uh, but yeah, we know that um, every program is not going to be valuable to every member that we have, right? We don't expect hundred percent of our members to have a hundred percent participation across all of our programs. Some people love the Slack group. Other people don't want it because it's like, they're like, Hey, I don't want one more thing to pay attention to. And like, that's totally fine. Right. But those people might be the ones who read our newsletter every single week and attend all of our digital events. And so I think, you know, same thing, right. If you're a, a, a company, right. And if you, you know, view your uh, kind of employee base as a call it a community, right. People with a shared passion for the, the place where they work uh, you know, same, I think same sort of, you know, call it rules uh, apply, right. Like offer them, a bunch of different options don't expect to have uh, you know perfect participation across all the things that you do and you know other thing is like meet people meet people where uh, where they are uh, you know like with our slack group for example people who work in revenue operations right typically b2b uh, they're typically at some sort of workplace that already has slack uh, as a main communication tool and so adding an additional Slack group is uh, you know, it's not a big deal because it's already there, right? Very different than if we were like, hey, we're going to spin up a, a Discord server, right? Or we're going to use any of these other like community platforms. And now there's a separate thing that you got to go to. It's like, you know, again, just like if you're building a product, uh, you know, it's a lot easier to provide value to someone if you can fit into the, the tools and the, the way that they work today, instead of telling them they got to go do a new thing. Right, so that's one other thing that I think folks can um, kind of take away is like you know community building, no different than call it product building in terms of uh, uh, you know focus on who you're trying to deliver value to and and how to do it.
1: so let's change topic a little bit here as well. Uh, I would imagine, and and I know you do have a lot of kind of insights and information in terms of like what's going on, what are what are people talking about in 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 the RevOps community, so. What will be the current things that you're kind of seeing is, is coming up a lot and people are are talking a lot about at the moment?
0: Yeah, well, I think one of them is the, uh, I think, you know, when RevOps uh, kind of got started, especially over the last few years, <laughs> it's been primarily focused on the connection between marketing and sales, uh, you know, things that are right going to lead to a uh, new pipeline. Uh, more pipeline, better pipeline, and then things that are going to help your, your sales team close new business, right? Generate, uh, you know, kind of new logos and uh, kind of grow revenue that way. And if you think about the economic climate over the last uh, three years, with the exception of, you know, the past maybe 12 months, uh, I think that's, you know, makes sense that that's been uh, the primary focus. But, uh, you know, again, I'll, I guess I'll, I'll state the obvious of like the, the REV in REV ops stands for revenue. And as we all know, revenue is not just based on new customers that you acquire. It's based primarily on the current customers that you have and keeping them around, right? Making sure that they continue to buy the same thing that you originally sold them and hopefully buy more, either more products or more of that initial thing. And all of that happens post-sale, typically on you know the customer success, customer support side, when you're looking at things like revenue retention and expansion, but all those areas have kind of been ignored uh, by rev up to this point. Like if you were to, you know, ask anyone, uh, you know, about like the go-to-market tech stack that they manage in rev ops, right? Um, they're typically not going to say things like, "Oh yeah, we manage the the CS tool and uh, you know are responsible for supporting the uh, like the customer success org as well." Typically, like those that team is like off to fend for themselves, I think that's changing now that uh, you know more of the focus is on how can we grow efficiently, grow effectively, grow you know grow grow profitably, not just spend a dollar to get a dollar of revenue. Uh, so I think that's one big shift with uh, with rev ops is moving beyond just the marketing and sales connection and actually actually going end to end, right? Marketing to sales to uh, to customer success and having more responsibility over. Uh, things like revenue retention and uh, and expansion and supporting the teams that do that. Uh, so that's that's one thing. And then um, the other, you know, so much of what uh, folks in RevOps do is related to the go-to-market um, tech stack and uh, the technology that is used by the go-to-market teams across marketing, sales, and customer success. I think next year, uh, I think there's going to be and I think we've, we've seen this happening over the last like six months or so, but I think it'll continue to happen. my guess is there will be more and more consolidation within the, the technology stack point solutions, uh, will, you know, get purchased by, uh, by larger companies or just go out of business completely because people are not, you know, are not looking to, uh, are not looking to just, uh, you know, buy a buy a tool to solve a very narrow specific problem if it can't do do more than that. And also the main thing that I think is shifting is when people experience a, a problem, uh, you know, the default may have been previously like, oh, I have this problem. Uh, what other tools can maybe I buy to help me solve this problem? I think the default now is I have this problem. Do we currently have anything that can solve this problem for me. And so people are first looking at tools and software that they've already bought and that already exists within the go-to-market tech stack. And the bar is kind of low in terms of uh, what those solutions would need to do to help people with those problems, meaning they don't need to solve for 100% of the thing that people want. If they can just get people a little further along, then uh, you know, they're, I think people will call it settle or be happy. For that, And I think that means, again, uh, fewer and fewer point solutions uh, will be used and leveraged across the go-to-market tech stack and more and more consolidation uh, will happen. So those are I don't know, kind of the two things that I see kind of happening over the next uh, like 12, 12 plus months. Uh, if you had to ask me to predict the future.
1: Yeah, no, I'm, I mean, you can kind of get that as well. I mean, like adding, buying new tools, training people on it, you know, integrating it with the tool stack. I mean, it is a lot of work um, and a lot of planning. So I, I I, think like that's also probably why there's a lot of tools for seeing a higher churn this year as well. You're a little bit more careful. You don't want to buy new stuff. You actually want to manage what you have without adding. So it's probably also like people are more kind of cost restrictive. Um, yeah. But as I said, if it's a little bit better, you know, solving for the current problem.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, you know, a good example is, you know, you've got uh, sales engagement platforms out there like, uh, you know, Outreach, Sales Loft um, that are, you know, kind of best in class in terms of what they do. But if, you know, let's say you're a a smaller company or maybe you've only got a handful of, um, you know, of, of sales reps and let's say, you know, Outbound is a part of what you do, but it's not the only thing, right? And you've got HubSpot as your CRM. You may very well look and be like, hey, you know, like the HubSpot sequencing capability is adequate. It's not nearly as robust or, you know, like user-friendly and like all that stuff is like an outreach or sales loft, but it's good enough. So there's no need to go out and like you said, purchase a separate tool or if you've already got it, it might be a reason why you, why you churn. And I think there's a lot of other, you know, call it like categories, you know, kind of like that, um, you know, meeting scheduling, lead routing, some of these other ones. It's like, you got to make sure you're, you're solving a, uh, like a real problem uh, and delivering value to folks in order to, yeah, kind of make the, make the cut, if you will.
1: We find that a lot also when we have conversations with uh, companies, they're looking to invest in HubSpot and they want all the integrations and all this stuff. And then when you start talking about it, it's actually not that important. So exactly what you're saying there, like we need something that's good enough and it's solving the current problem. The other stuff, it sounded nice, but if realizing that it's actually a lot of work, you need to buy more stuff, you need to integrate a lot of tools. It turns out it's not that urgent anymore uh, because I think there is a lot of resistance with that. Uh, yeah. I think it's good. I actually think it's healthy, like maybe not for the spot solutions, but you know, as yeah. another guy I spoke, we said, like, you can't clean up your house by buying more stuff. Yeah. Like, you usually start by removing some stuff first and seeing what's not needed and what's actually not adding value. And Probably yeah. a lot of companies don't get a lot of value even from the CRM because they don't really use it.
0: Oh, yeah, they should, yeah.
1: Uh, so... So, so like, in terms of tools, you mentioned some different ones there. So, like, what are the kind of ones that people talk a lot about right now? Is it, like, a HubSpot? Is it, like, or what? what is the kind of trends there in terms of that RevOps tool stack? That-
0: so, yeah, I always kind of look and pay attention. We have a, a, a specific Slack channel in our Slack group for tools and software. So, a lot of people will talk about um, different, uh, like, ask for help on different products, look for feedback on different different tools, things like that. Uh, the, you know, the, the, the most common pieces of technology that are talked about in our, in our Slack group, not surprisingly, are Salesforce and HubSpot. Uh, there used to be a much uh, bigger gap between uh, Salesforce and HubSpot in terms of the, the frequency of mentions. Uh, but honestly, it's that's been closed. And it's more or less the same now. Uh, Like when I looked uh, the other day, I think Salesforce has mentioned something like 690 sometimes in our Slack group in the last three months. And HubSpot was mentioned around like 630 times. So not a huge, uh, not a huge Delta there, like 10%, give or take. Um, So those are, yeah, CRM is, um, is the big one. Uh, And then a lot of people will talk about marketing automation tools um, as well. And then other, you know, other solutions in the uh, kind of in the sales called the sales tech stack. Uh, so typically lots of talk about compensation and commission tools. Uh, you know, folks like PhotoPath, uh, Spiff, uh are, are, you know, kind of main ones that, uh, that a lot of people will talk about. Uh, lead routing and, and scheduling. Uh, that is a, um, another one. Uh, so, folks, you know, primarily talking about tools like Revenue Hero and uh, and Chili Piper uh, are the the big ones there. And then uh, sales engagement platforms, I mentioned right, Outreach, uh, sales Lofts, uh, I think you know some people talking about um, like Groove, right, which I think I think was bought by a uh, Clary recently. Speaking of Clary, forecasting tools, Clary Boost Up, uh, WeFlow are uh, are some popular ones that uh, that people talk about and kind of mention um, in the community. And then actually another big one is, uh, the CPQ and billing space. Uh, so there's been a lot of, uh, a lot of progress and innovation there recently. Uh, you know, historically those two things have kind of been separate, right? The, the billing system has always been separate from, uh, uh, kind of the, the quoting and, uh, the proposal process. Uh, and that's caused a lot of friction, um, and it's, it's a great example of one of those things that's been hiding in plain sight of like someone finally asks the question of like, well, why aren't these two things just in one platform, right? Like, is there a reason why they're separate? And then you actually investigate that and you're like, no, there's actually literally no reason why these two things need to be separate tools or systems. And so you've got companies like Subscribe, uh, Cashflow. Uh, new.io that are uh, you know kind of uh, like deal hub right they're doing um, kind of these integrated uh, like cpq and billing uh, sort of uh, solutions Uh, so that's been another really interesting uh, kind of space to keep an eye on and another one that's yeah super super popular uh, to in terms of being talked about within the community
1: What's stirring emotions? Like, what are people getting upset about? Like, if they're ranting or complaining about stuff in revenue of things, what what is the things that <laughs> comes up a lot? Oh yeah.
0: Well, typically, uh, so people are not shy <laughs> to um, to complain about tools and technology that do not work uh, for them. So, I won't uh, publicly roast anyone here, but yeah, we've had plenty of vendors uh, and products get roasted publicly in our, our Slack group, um, for just kind of like not working, um, or breaking or, uh, like, uh, call it like kind of, uh, I'll say like sleazy contracting. Um, like, especially like, especially on the data providers, like there's one particular data provider that, uh, just does some, like, I don't know, like it's perfectly legal and fine, but just some like what I would consider like kind of poor business practices in terms of contracting when people want to uh, kind of leave them. Uh, So, you know, folks talk about that Uh, when your tool breaks and they can't get in touch with customer support. uh, They talk about that. They talk about how they then turn you off, uh, how, you know, all of those things. So, um, so yeah, those are the big ones. Typically like when you're um, uh, contracting, uh, with uh, uh, with someone, and yeah, you know, there's some wonky things there. People complain about that, and then, yeah, when your tool doesn't work and people need help and they don't get it, um, you know, they'll complain and they'll let you, they'll let the world know, they'll let eleven thousand other, rev people know. Um, so yeah, those are the those are the big things that'll get people going, in our community. Yeah, so
1: our community. don't don't include sleazy stuff in your go to market plan. I think that's a good uh, good, good starting point. Yeah, just um, what, what yeah, use
0: common sense. Yeah.
1: yeah, no, it, I mean, it is, I, I do think I know who, who it is you're talking about, but yeah, mm-hmm. let's not, uh, let's not go that route. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, but what about like, um, in terms of strategies and challenges and things like that, we talked a bit before about, you know, there is a bit more focus on customer success, um, like, are there some specifics you see, like people struggle with in terms of like strategies and like how to solve specific issues or something there that comes up in more specific than just um you know it's not going as fast for the revenue there's more focus on customer success
0: i mean one of them is definitely on uh like <coughs> the expansion side uh meaning like how can rev support the expansion motion i think a lot of companies don't like want to have expansion and they're like, Oh yeah, like, you know, NRR and like, you know, needed to be like 120%, but they don't know how to get there. Right. It's like, well, who, who's responsible for identifying expansion opportunities? Uh, who's responsible for, for closing those deals? How do you, uh, you know, how does that sale process look? Um, is it similar? Is it, is it different? How do you, what are the stages, right? That you should be tracking those deals through in your, in your CRM, like all that, so how do you compensate people for them? Uh, right, there's a lot that goes into that that people just don't have figured out. I think that's another area where uh, you know, RevOps is kind of primed to support uh, because they have uh, like they have the 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 framework right of how you close new business, how you identify those opportunities, how you generate pipeline. Uh, all those same things can be applied uh, to the post sale process around expansion, so um. So that's like one um, one big piece. Uh, another piece that people are talking about within RevOps is um, called more uh, like career trajectory and career path. Like, uh, you know, how you know one, how do you how do you measure the success or kind of prove the value um, ROI of uh, like a RevOps function, right? What are the KPIs? What are the outcomes that you should be um, kind of measuring, and holding people against? And then what's the um, yeah, what's the what's a career path, right. It's, you know, it's a little different than like uh, you know, if you're like in the marketing group, right. And you know, you're you like want to become chief marketing officer you want to uh, you know, you're on the um, more like the biz ops side and you want to you know, move up to like COO, right. It's like, well, is there a, a chief revenue operations officer? Do folks in rev ops move into like a CRO uh, type of role? Uh, and I think a lot of that stuff, you know, again, because we're early in the, the days of the function, uh, like we just, some of that stuff you don't know, right? You're like, well, you know, there haven't been that many people doing it for long enough to know who might be well positioned for, for which. Um, And so, yeah, it will be interesting to see how some of that plays out. Um, And then uh, that's like, I mentioned the career tra- trajectory side of once you're in RevOps and kind of moving up, but then there's also lots of chatter on how to get into revenue operations for the reasons I mentioned earlier, right? There's no, you don't go get a college degree in RevOps. A lot of times it's like you're the, you you were in the sales, you're an SDR and you had a knack for the CRM and a bunch of like the tooling and technology and process. And so uh, they needed all of a sudden RevOps help and like you moved into that role, right? That's kind of how, how it happens. But a lot of that stuff is, I don't know, like kind of luck of the draw too. And so a lot of talk about like, okay, well, I want to get into RevOps. How do I do it? Um, what's the best path? Uh, so those are, yeah, those are things that dominate some conversations as well Is just career entry into RevOps, career path. Once you get there, how to move up. And then, like I said, on the like process strategy side, a lot of like, uh, yeah, how do we drive uh, how do we drive expansion revenue? Support that process at our company, and what are the metrics, the um, KPIs, uh, the outcomes that we should use to measure the success of our RevOps team?
1: Do you have any initial kind of answer to to like uh, some of those? You know, like what would be the favorite kind of uh, metrics to track uh, in terms of actually proving what you're doing, uh, for example?
0: I mean, I always look at uh, uh, like for me. I mean, I used to work at. Um, an OKR software company. So I've always used kind of the OKR uh, model. And that's where, you know, you set, you set kind of a company level objectives, uh, kind of team objectives, right? And then uh, you look at the things that you can do to influence those those outcomes. And uh, I think like same is true for for RevOps, right? So, you know, look at things like how much new business do you want to generate this quarter? How much expansion revenue do you want to generate um, this quarter? How much pipeline is required to hit your targets for next quarter, right? That you need to generate in this quarter. And then what are the things you can do to influence those, those numbers, right? So is there a, um, like we talked about uh, like tooling and stuff before, but like uh, lead routing, right? Like do you have, if you, maybe you don't have lead routing in place today and the process is really manual, you're also... Uh, taking a long time to get in touch with like new inbound leads that, that come in the door. Um, So maybe that's an area that you identify, Hey, there's opportunity here. If we can do this better, that can help us influence the number of like new meetings that we get on the calendar, right? Pipeline. So, you know, put a, you know, put that like, you know, tactic, right. Rolling up to that particular metric. And then again, sounds like, and then measure your progress towards that over the course of the quarter, but just focus on like, all the stuff that you're doing, which of those company level goals or objectives or team level goals or objectives does it, does it tie back to? Uh, Cause if it doesn't, then you should be asking yourself, like, why am I doing this? Right. If it's not going to help us generate more pipeline, or again, maybe like another thing that a lot of people are focusing on now is like, Hey, let's, let's get people into longer term contracts. Right. So if we had A bunch of monthly subscribers, let's try to get them to move to an annual commitment. If we've got a bunch of annual subscribers, let's try to get them on multi-year deals, right? That might mean actually that your uh, recurring revenue goes down, right? But your contract value and the dollars under contract goes up, right? And so, you know, those are, uh, again, like that should be what you're measuring in that case. And then for folks in RevOps, how can you support uh, like those, those metrics and just tie all that stuff, um, roll all that stuff up, uh, that's the approach that I would take.
1: No, I agree. And also the, um, cause I think there's a lot who think about like operations and like revenue operations as like a HubSpot admin only, but it's like, it's called revenue operations for a reason, right? Because like, it's actually supposed to be something as you said, that drive revenue or kind of make yeah. the business more efficient or save some money somewhere. Uh, if it's not doing that. Yep. Might not be the best place to, to, to spend your time.
0: Yep. Agreed. And,
1: and Agreed. what about the, the final one there? Like you mentioned there with the, the career path. So someone looking to get into a revenue operation, like what would actually be kind of, or someone who want to hire maybe someone like that could potentially be a rev ops person, um, like what would be the kind of traits and things that come up a lot in those conversations?
0: You know, for me, uh, I think it's one of those things of just uh being able to demonstrate uh you know kind of your ability to be a true I'll say utility player uh you know like utility player in baseball is someone who you know like one day your team needs you to play second base the next day they need you to play center field day after that maybe you're on the bench day after that you're pinch hitting right then you're playing first base right you kind of got to go wherever the team needs you on that particular day and uh you got to be okay with that right and um it's not an easy job to do, and that very much is uh, is what a job in RevOps is like, right? Like one day you might be doing territory management, territory planning. The next day you're helping to create a board deck. Uh, the day after that you're deep into Salesforce or HubSpot doing doing admin and and systems work. Uh, you know, the day after that you're building some integration with your CRM. Right? It's it truly is kind of different every single day, and you know some people just like straight up don't like that, right? They'd rather have like a more narrow kind of lane to, (laughs) to focus in and to go really deep in. Uh, But with RevOps, you, you know, you got to be able to, um, you know, kind of go broad and, uh, and handle that. And so that doesn't mean, at least for me, that doesn't mean that, you know, to get into the field, you need experience in all of those areas. It just means that you need to demonstrate your ability to dive into some new problem that you've never tackled before and be able to figure some stuff out. Right, And that can also mean like figuring stuff out that doesn't work, right? I love stories about like people who like dove into something and tried some stuff and like, it didn't pan out, right? Like that's, and like, you know, you live to tell about it and you learn something like that's the that's the main thing. It would only be a failure if you didn't learn something. And so those are the, the traits that I look for at least like hiring early in your RevOps team is like, you know, typically someone who can go, you know kind of more broad is not just a systems person. Um, Is not just a process person or an enablement person, but someone who can truly dive in and support marketing, sales, CS, the overall uh, kind of revenue engine, and be able to do any of those components. But again, like I said, doesn't mean that you've done all that before. It just means that you're able to dive into some new tool, some new process, and um, and figure it out. So have a track record of that, or at least an ability to demonstrate that. And then as you are growing in your RevOps career, as you're growing your RevOps team, that's when you can start to get more, more narrow and, you know, be like, oh, I actually really like the system side. Maybe then you want to go into like, you know, the Salesforce admin, the HubSpot admin sort of role. Maybe you really like the, um, the training side, right. And you're like, oh, I actually want to get more into enablement, right. And, you know, focus more, more there. Um, or maybe you're like, you know what, I actually like doing all of this stuff, right. Then, you know, stick with kind of rev ops, right. Or if you really like, you know the marketing automation tool and doing everything to support the marketing team. Maybe you start to lean more heavily into the marketing ops side of things. So, uh, so yeah, that's where you know I think people and call it teams that are, are are building can start is like look for look to have skills that can go across the go to market engine as a whole. And then as you grow your team and as you grow in your career, you can start to get more uh, kind of narrow and more tailored from there.
1: And I'm hearing also like someone who is really curious, like, why is this, like, how is this working? Like, why is this doing like that? Like, let's dive into this kind of number and really being curious to just dive into things and problem solve, uh, yeah. stuff like that would yeah. be kind of really key, uh, yeah,
0: that's what, yeah. Like kind of not taking things for granted as they are. Right. And, um, yeah, asking questions, like you said, like, oh, well, why do we do things that way? You're like, oh, well, why did that number go up? why does this number not match this other thing or're like yeah like having that natural curiosity is uh yeah super important
1: awesome matthew I think for we're gonna kind of end the 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 kind of the bulk of the conversation there so thanks a lot for 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 your time and giving us some uh deep insights into the kind of uh, revenue conversations that's going on at the moment uh so we would typically start with uh or not start end actually, uh, with, uh, a bit of a more philosophical question. So, um, uh, we're really curious to hear, like looking at your journey, uh, f- like throughout the past few years here, you know, starting a software company and then ending up building a community and, and doing that full-time instead, um, like what's some kind of learnings and insights that you got, um, during, you know, this time period here that have had a big impact on, you know, life, business, you know, how you do things in general?
0: I think uh, the one thing that I've learned that I wish I knew earlier on in my career is uh, <clears throat> give yourself uh, give yourself the permission to change your mind. Meaning, uh, you know, like, for example, my, uh, like I went to college uh, and got a degree in accounting and finance and, uh, you know, thought I wanted to be an accountant and I did that for, a few years and I was like this is pretty boring um, I don't really like this uh, so then I got into corporate finance and that was a little better and uh, after that I went to business school and after business school I thought I wanted to get into management consulting and um, I tried that and I think I lasted like a year and I was like man this is like this sucks right and uh, and then I was like you know I want to then I want to start a company and that was finally when I you know, was kind of like happy um, with things uh, but even like, you know, even when you start a company, right? Like my first, uh, my first startup was in the legal technology space and, uh, ran that for a few years and ultimately had to wind that company down, um, just cause we never found product market fit. And so, um, you know, at that point kind of changed my mind of like, you know, Hey, it's not, not worth, uh, you know, kind of continuing to grind away at things. And so, yeah, that's the thing I wish I knew, uh, you know, kind of earlier is like, give yourself the permission to change your mind. If you think you want to do something with your career, if you think you want to do something with your life, right, personally, like, try it. And like, if you don't like it, that's okay, like, go do something else, right? Like, we, um, like, personally, too, grew up in a, a small town in Wisconsin, in the United States, and um, moved out of Wisconsin to the West Coast, uh, as, uh, as soon as we were done with college and thought, like, Hey, I'm never going to move back to the, to the Midwest, to Wisconsin. Guess where I've been living for the last two years back in Wisconsin. And it's, uh, and so like, I changed my mind there and like, things have been great. And so that's the, like the one piece of advice I'd give my younger self is like, personally and professionally is like, give yourself the permission to change your mind, try stuff, um, and like learn from it. And if you like it, keep doing more of that. And if you don't like it, like life's too short like move on right like try something else um so that's the one thing that that i'll mention and i've done a lot of that um and nothing wrong nothing wrong with that in my opinion
1: yeah no and and i do agree and i think that's such an important thing and you get kind of drilled into you should stick with your opinion and things like that at least i got a lot when i was younger um and yeah no i think that's a really good uh, insight though Thanks a lot for, for that, Matthew. So if people want to learn more, you know, about the whole community, about you, like where should they go if they want to stock you down a little bit?
0: Well, you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, just search for Matthew Volm and you'll find me. Uh, you can uh, learn more about the community, RevOps Co-op at revopscoop.com. Uh, there's a free membership option, a paid membership option there. So lots of different, uh, lots of different things going on there. And then we also have, uh, we're also putting on um, our uh, kind of first annual RevOps conference, which will be at the end of May in uh, Southern California in San Diego. And so for folks who want to um, kind of attend and uh, have some networking opportunities, see some uh, awesome live sessions from a lot of impressive folks. We've got uh, the CMO from Clary, we've got a VP from Forrester who covers RevOps, we've got head of CS from HubSpot, lots of other people who are going to be putting on sessions. Uh, The title of our event (laughs) is called uh, RevOps AF, and you can learn more about that at revopsaf.com.
1: Awesome. Sounds good. I'm definitely going to check that out. Is it a virtual session as well, or is it only live?
0: Uh, We're going to start with the live. uh, We'll probably do a virtual one in the weeks after the live one.
1: Thanks a lot, Matthew. And uh, yeah, have a great uh, rest of the day. And thank you so much for your time.
0: Yeah, thanks, Andreas. Appreciate it.
1: And that wraps another episode of a Slice of SaaS. A huge thanks to Matthew for sharing his expertise on the evolution of revenue operations and the power of community in shaping the future of the industry. Join us next time for another Insightsful Conversation. Keep optimizing and see you soon.